Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I was going to take the next week or two off after I heard that Charlie and Lance had passed away. <laughs> And I'd be dressed in all black and a veil, the whole thing. I'd be kind of sitting here this morning, you know, and my first thought when I heard about Charlie Watts was of you, because I know you, you have a massive fan love of the them. band. Love them. Um, and, uh, and loved uh, Charlie as well. Because he, he's, to me, he sometimes seems like the forgotten member of the Rolling mm. Stones, right? All the attention always on, you know, Keith and, and Mick, deservedly so for all that they've been through and gone through. But you know, Charlie just kind of sitting back and doing his thing. But... You know, now that we've we've sat here for the last few hours and I've heard you going over, you know, interviews and, you know, footage yeah. and songs. And I think, boy, like, you know, if you had a brother that passed away, you know, you might have looked at a couple of pictures of him and said your words and that's about it. I don't know if you'd given him much attention <laughs> as Charlie Watts. <laughs> I thought that my brother passed away, I'd say, well, what's for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, you know, I'm digging for, for gold here, too, to, yeah. to share Charlie's life. Like, I just went through a couple of interviews, and you're right. You know, what I loved about him is he was so humble and so shy. And in the beginning of every interview, somebody says, you know, here he is, the one and only Charlie Watts, the, the, the greatest drummer, Charlie Watts. And he always gets this kind of, he rolls his eyes yeah. and he looks away. He hated all that spotlight stuff. Yeah. He did not want any of that. Uh, and was not a fan of of being on the road and doing all of that. I don't know. If he, I don't even know if he was a fan of the Rolling Stones. No, you I know, don't. Think he, he was cared. a jazz drummer who yeah. took a gig that he thought might last a week. Yeah, <laughs> and like sixty five, seventy five years later, yeah. was doing the same thing. Oh yeah, he'll you know he'll be asked in an interview. Uh, so you know what happens backstage prior to the show, and he goes, oh well, you know. Uh, they all, they're out there uh, warming up and doing this and doing that. And Keith's doing interviews and eating his shepherd's pie. And Mick is doing calisthenics. And he goes, eh, I show up about 10 minutes before the gig. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Although he did have a warm-up routine. We learned that. Yeah. Yeah, that was new. You you showed me this. And you, if you want to go check it out, it's uh, Charlie Watts Talks and Dances on right. YouTube. Well, because both are so rare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See him showing any kind of emotion. But yeah, he had a, like a little warm-up routine he did with his legs and to, to dance to get going. And um, and I, when I saw it this morning, my first thought was he would do it, and then Keith kind of caught on to it, and he would do it with them or, or egg them on back behind the speakers before they go in on stage. Yeah. And I and I just thought, man, that, you know, because the, the Stones do have a tour coming up, and they had already uh, booked, like, another drummer, right? Yeah, and, Steve Jordan. Yeah, Keith's Charlie wasn't going to do it. And I just thought, boy, what's that moment going to be like for Keith when he's, you know, backstage and he he starts to do that little jig yeah. and Charlie's not there? Yeah, the photo I shared on Facebook is, a, I think, a great one with uh, Keith's got his arm around Charlie and he's talking to him about something. And Charlie always seemed like they were always kind of bringing him up onto the plane or off of the plane. Somebody always had an arm around him. It's like they, the rest of the guys, Ronnie, Mick, uh, Keith, they all protected him. You know, he, he always seemed, I guess, a little fragile, perhaps. And so they, they always had their eye on him like he was the young brother, and yet he was the oldest of them all. And although he didn't say a lot all the time, when he did speak, he always had something to say uh, that would, would catch your attention. Like I remember, and I've quoted him a, a few times over the years, 
when he said that uh, he is much more comfortable in his skin as an older man than he ever was as a young man. Hmm. And I've said, I think when we've talked about aging, that I, I often feel that way, that I, I think at, at my age now, I'm much more comfortable and secure with who I am than maybe I ever was at 25 or 30 or younger, you know. So when he spoke, he, he always had something to say. And, of course, uh, as we realized when he passed away yesterday, it was funny, you said you thought about me and I thought about you because yesterday was your birthday. And I yeah. thought, well, thank you very much, Lucky. <laughs> going to kill my favorite drummer. So now every year when we celebrate your birthday, I'll have to be remembered. Oh, I'm going to mourn Charlie Watts. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to make you, you know what we're going to do on your birthday here moving forward? We're going to sit and watch concert DVDs of the stone so you can't take it anymore. Uh, and it's, it's amazing as we learn, you know, you have to learn about people after they pass away. And one thing I didn't realize is that he was a collector of vintage cars. Not surprised, because those Stones have made a little bit of money over their mm-hmm. time. But he would lo- love to collect vintage cars for their aesthetic, and he would get suits tailored to match the color right. of the interior of these cars. The only problem was, Charlie Watts didn't have a driver's license. Never learned to drive, so couldn't drive a car, <laughs> but had a massive car collection. Oh, man. He was, he they were was like dinky so cars to him, I guess. Right? I guess so. Uh, yeah, he just did not live a, ro- a rock star lifestyle at, at all. He was married to his wife, Shirley, since 1964. Mostly stayed out of trouble. He had a little dabble with the heroin and the alcohol in the mid-80s. Uh, again, I, I saw an interview years ago with like 60 Minutes when they were going on the road. And Charlie was talking about that, and he got really, he, he, you could see it in his face how, because it, his marriage almost ended over it, and he, how, how guilty he felt. And he just said, yeah, I, I had a little dabble, and it was a, a dark period. And then he kind of looked down and looked shy. And Whereas with Keith and all his alcohol and drug problems, you know, you go, he'd be like, I never had a problem with drugs, baby. I had a problem right. with cops. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Amazing, he would be ashamed of it when he, you know. When you could easily look over and say, look at these guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I was always clean yeah. by comparison. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, uh, it's it's just such a drag. And so, so many uh, artists are now uh, paying tribute. Mike McCready from uh, Pearl Jam saying the Stones were his favorite band of all time. Charlie was the engine of subtle and heavy grooves. He says, uh, for any of us in a rock band, we wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for Charlie. And Keith has said the same of Charlie. Now, it will be interesting moving forward how this all plays out. Because, yes, they're doing these 20 dates. And I'm sure there will be uh, a, a lot of attention paid to Charlie and respects given. I thought the other day, you know, they did, after Brian Jones died, they did a free, big, massive concert in Hyde Park. Mm. They haven't lost another band member since Brian Jones. wonder if they should uh, do a, maybe one final show. Like, do this American stuff. Get that because that's... The book that's done, it's sold out. Then maybe do one more show in Hyde Park, as they did for Brian, and do it for Charlie. Because Brian really was the guy who started the band. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, listen, the, the, the shows still sell out. There's mm. still people pining to see them. And maybe there will be now to, to see them, you know, continue on without Charlie. I, I wonder if the better tribute is, you know, Charlie Watts played on every recording that the mm. Rolling Stones ever did. So maybe you don't record anymore. Yeah, they have an album coming out. Of course, he was a part of that. Right. And, and yeah, all of this commitment. I don't know. I, I, I think Keith, I think Keith will carry on on his own. I think he'll do his solo gigs and play with his other band. 
And I, I don't think you'll ever see the Rolling Stones again after this. Really? I'd be really shocked and surprised. But then I wondered about the E Street Band when the big man, yes, Clarence it, Clemens, died. I wasn't a, mass, a massive fan of the Rolling Stones. I mean, like some of their songs, I, I didn't follow the band, obviously, like you did. But, you know, to me, I wondered if, you know, in no disrespect, if Charlie Watts is not the replaceable one in that. How dare you? If it had been, <laughs> if it had been Mick or Keith, you know, you of think. Of course, it's done. You, you, can't, you can't have that yeah. vibe without him. It was Charlie Watts the one that could be replaced on the kit? See, I just get the impression that I don't think Keith believes that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll leave you with uh, the thoughts of uh, a musician who knew uh, Charlie and had played with him and, and had been around him for decades. And knows a thing or two about music. Paul McCartney on Charlie Watts. So sad to hear about Charlie Watts, the Stone Strummer, dying. Um, he was a lovely guy. And um, I, I knew he was ill, but I didn't know uh, it was this ill. So, uh, lots of love to his family, um, his wife and kids, and his extended family. And uh, condolences to the Stones. This would be a huge blow to them because Charlie was a rock um, and a fantastic drummer, steady as a rock. Anyway, so. Love, love you, Charlie. I always loved you. Beautiful man, and great condolences and sympathies to his family. Rock mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky, ninety four nine. The Rock. How much money a year do you figure your family wastes on food? Oh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'll tell you when we put out the garbage tonight. There'll be more of it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just not even leftovers, food that you know expires, uh, that we forget about in depths of freezers. Could be meat, could be cheese. We yeah, don't know. Yeah, don't know anymore. Give it a sniff. How much money does yeah. it cost us? Oh, it's it's got a well. I think we do things with Durham Works. They say the average family is about three thousand uh, dollars. Well, yeah, I mean these numbers are about the same. Yeah, in in that ballpark. Uh, anywhere from two thousand to three thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, tossing them all away—it's just—it's uh, crazy. And the most common wasted foods are fruits and vegetables, since they go bad the yeah. fastest. Dairy products, then grains, proteins, and snack foods. Many of us feel guilty about it because it is, and then we know it's a waste of money. But we admit to buying and tossing the same items every month. We keep doing the same stupid thing over and over and over again. And this is why I've always been a fan of the daily shopping rather than a, a once a week. Because it would seem to me if I buy broccoli, I'm going to go grocery shopping on a Saturday. If I buy a broccoli, then I got to get home and I got to get cooking it, you know, within a couple of days or it can start to turn. So that's why I go out every, you know, every afternoon. And if I'm going to have broccoli, I buy the broccoli and it gets cooked that night. Right. You know, it's and it's done with. Now, I know not everybody can live that way because we only work one hour a day. So <laughs> I got lots of time on my hands. <laughs> But uh, that's why I've always pushed that because it's funny with Maria and I, uh, she went through a phase where when we were in Windsor, there was a few produce stores. That's all they sold, but they would sell bulk and you could get a lot of it for, for much cheaper. So she would come home with boxes yeah. of fruits and vegetables. And then the panic was on to get this stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Make the zucchini. It's going bad. 
And I'd be like, how does this stuff sit in the store for days and days? The minute it leaves, it's got to be cooked in 12 hours. Right. True. No. Very true. Yeah, well, because they don't care about waste there as no. much. No, they don't. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, we tend to shop. I think most, you know, it's not once a week anymore. Maybe a couple of times a week that you're running out of the store for things. But right. what gets you is, you know, you'll buy these things with meals eventually in mind. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get to that night and go, oh, let's just grab something. <laughs> I'm not right. in the mood. Let's order something. I'm not in the mood to cook yeah. or eat that. We'll order something. And all of a sudden that gets kind of pushed back and delayed, right? Uh, tips for not wasting stuff. When you go to the grocery store, um, they say avoid shopping alone. I guess that's why if you have somebody with you to talk you down from the uh, right the bucket of cherries you're buying on yeah. sale. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, not shopping while you're hungry. That's always been, uh-huh. a, been a classic. And sticking to a grocery list. That's the other thing I do as well is in my phone under notes, I'll put down, okay, a chicken, a broccoli, wine, yeah, white and red. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I should get I should get two of each. If you have no children and you go to work and one of your coworkers with children says, "How was your morning?" You should probably come up with some kind of uh, story about how hectic it was. Make up make up a story, lie to them because if you say, "Oh, I just sat and sipped my coffee and watched the news." Nice way to relax into the morning. Mm. Your coworkers with kids are going to hate you. Right. Because uh, parents say their biggest hurdles of the day always start first thing in the morning. Uh, And many parents say they're late to work a lot because their kids have held them up. Getting your kids out of bed is the first hurdle. Mm -hmm. Average parent has to tell, uh, tell them or yell at them to wake up. Twice to three times before they actually get moving. Yeah, and and this first couple of weeks of back to school are usually the worst, right? Yeah. Kids are used to sleeping in and not having a schedule, and then they get overtired yeah. from being at school. The, of course, then we got hockey tryouts and all sorts of stuff that come along uh, with September, and with that, later bedtimes, less sleep, and really angry <laughs> from everybody. Getting yourself out of bed is a problem. Remembering everything your kids need before they leave the house. Making breakfast for everyone. That's a great moment when your yeah. kids are of an age where they can go get their own cereal and milk. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. But then, you know, and again with the school, you got to make lunch for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not there for it, right? We're here no. oh, no, in the morning. I, so. I avoid it all of that. Uh, I hear stories of chaos. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, it could really be that bad. <laughs> But I'm there for the after school, and I'm like, oh, man, they come home full of energy and I gotta hungry and starving, and it's, yeah, i got to deal with this crap. I used to feel bad, certainly, because, yeah, my my kid's entire childhood, uh, I I missed that part of it anyhow, the growing up, because it is, it's tough enough with two parents. Mm. Um, you know, I'm sure Maria got it down to a routine, because I don't really remember her complaining that much about it. So I think she finally, I guess Maria's also one to say, all right, oh, you didn't get your breakfast? You're going to school hungry. Right. Too bad. You lose. Um, Packing their lunch, getting them dressed, finishing off any chores like dishes, getting your kids to brush their teeth, all this stuff, getting them to school on time. And then, of course, finding time for you to shower yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've started already with, you know, because the boys' rooms got a little bit of a makeover recently, but... Like with uh, like prep stations almost, mm. you know, where they have, okay, this is where your clothes are. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they knew that already. But all right, your deodorant and hair stuff. And everyone's got their own kind of, yep. you know, counter to get ready on and, you know, get into the groove. Yep. This is what you're going to have to do. Yeah, they seem like a lot of fun making them. 
Right. She oh, would yeah. have a great idea. Oh, yeah. Sip of wine. Caution to the wind. <laughs> Let's make a baby, baby. How many minutes do you think you spend a day worrying about money or paying bills or just checking your bank account? Uh, not that many, I, I would think. Like like checking the bank account and, and paying bills. But I, I think overall... I think a lot of people, uh, especially when interest rates get get changing a little bit, mm. maybe they they start to. I think we live in a world where people are just more comfortable in debt, mm-hmm. uh, and because interest rates were so low, they're taking on much more and more. I think the other day it was what thirty percent of people say they are basically living, you know, in debt mm-hmm. to the point where, uh, you know, they are they're living for their mortgage, just paying that off, yep. paying, 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 and and if interest rates were to go up, they'd be in serious trouble. Yeah, that's always concerning. It's always concerning, too, when you hear people say that they are paycheck to paycheck. Like, if they lost their job, they wouldn't be able to hang on, you know, till the EI kicked in or whatever. Um, We spent about 17 minutes a day paying bills and doing that type of thing. I I think we spent a lot more hours in the day worrying about money. Uh, But some of our worst habits when it comes to cash is buying stuff we don't really need, spending too much on gifts, not saying no to your kids when they ask for stuff. The right. only word my kids ever learned growing up was no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Spending money on el- on unhealthy foods. Right. Things like pop and chips and stuff. Yeah. Or just fast food in yeah. general. You're guilty of that. Loaning people money when you can't really afford to. Well, no, that's, nobody's ever come to me asking for a loan. They don't know I don't have any. I've been offered loans. You need some help, Craig? Are you struggling? <laughs> Uh, gambling, things like lottery tickets, big waste of money, it is said. Not sticking to a budget in general. Mm. I, I have, I, we have a, what's called a loose budget. It's a floating budget. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a drowning budget. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I think it is. Tom Cruise. This guy. <laughs> I've know, heard of him. He does all his stunts, right? That's his big, uh, That's his his big, big claim, right? A shtick. But these days, it seems like his whole life is one big stunt. A family in Warwickshire, England, got a pleasant surprise the other day when a helicopter landed in their backyard and Tom Cruise popped out of it. <laughs> this guy. The family actually got a call saying that an unnamed VIP was running late for a meeting and needed to land there because nearby Coventry Airport was temporarily shut down. Okay. They were pretty shocked when Mr. Cruz stepped out of the chopper. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the owner of the house, a woman named Allison Webb, says he went straight to her kids and started talking to them. Trying to get him into Scientology, I yeah. understand. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he then offered them a ride, so they actually went up in the helicopter while Tom was at his meeting. Nice. Allison says it turned out to be an incredible day. It was surreal. I still don't, uh, still can't believe it happened. Uh, I was showing my boys. Uh, there was footage recently of a train just like like careening off of the tracks and off of like this into this open space, like. Mm-hmm. like through a, a valley kind of thing, and it, and it was a massive crash scene, but I guess they were filming it for Mission Impossible 7. Oh, so it was set up. It was all oh. set up, yeah. I thought to myself, why are you showing your kids yeah, look at the this. death of millions on a train? Want <laughs> <laughs> to go for a ride? Guess what we're doing next summer, kids. <laughs> Via rail right across the country. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.